Hello, friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton. And joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. What's up? I am so excited about today's episode. Amanda and I had the absolute joy of getting to sit down with Pastor Matthew Stephen Brown, who has just released a book on the Enneagram called A Book Called You. Guys, this this book is so good. It is clear and concise and so applicable to the life of a believer. And and it really encompasses something that I've felt has been missing in literature on the Enneagram, which is an understanding of how our personality fits into our understanding of identity and identity in Christ. And he lays it out all so clearly that theology is really solid and he gives practical application from it. It's it's a really great book. Please go buy it. It's available on Amazon, a book called You. And we had such a great conversation. Wouldn't you say, Amanda? Yes, I loved it. I'm so excited to share it with you guys. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Pastor Matthew Stephen Brown. All right, let's get started. Well, why don't we start out? Uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your life, where you're from, uh, what you do, and we'll go from there. All right. Uh, so my name is Matt Brown. I'm the pastor of Sandals Church. Uh, I started in 1997. Can you believe that? I'm a product of the 90s. So uh, don't have any don't have any unfortunate tattoos. So I somehow got through it without anything embarrassing. Um, nothing on my neck or my lower back. So God is good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, started, yeah, started a church called Sandals. Uh, it comes from Romans ten fifteen. Blessed are the feet that bring good news, uh, and just really the vision of authenticity: how to be real with ourselves, God, and others. And I discovered that vision is not enough. People have a hard time being real, and mm-hmm. the Enneagram is the best tool I found to help people begin that journey. So that's how that's what led me to learning it myself, preaching on it, and then ultimately writing my book, uh, the book called You, that I'm super excited. comes out this year. I can't believe it. Yeah. No, I, I actually uh, had the opportunity to read a little bit of your book, uh, oh. and uh, I... I'm so impressed. <laughs> uh, I, I love your heart and how you communicate uh, the Enneagram with which is really clear theology, like especially in the introduction, you lay out really well the truth of the gospel, but also in that what the benefit of using a tool like the Enneagram or something like it is to the discipleship of a believer or the process of sanctification. And and so I, I really, really appreciate your perspective and how you're approaching it in the book but also how well you communicate or just anyone can pick it up and read it and clearly get, this is why this matters. So I I just really, really appreciated that. Well, thank you very much. It's my first book. So it was a learning experience. Uh, So let's start with where, where did you come across the Enneagram and, and what was that encounter like and how did you start learning about it after that? Well, my first encounter was in my doctoral program. I don't know if you guys have heard, it's a small, well, it's not a small Christian college, but it's called Biola out here in Los Angeles. Yes. And so I was getting my doctorate of ministry. And so they have a spiritual formation class and it was in spiritual formation class where I first came across it. And I just remember just really feeling drawn to this, like, okay, I need to really do some, some work on myself. And a big part of actually my educational pursuit was really for self-understanding. And I didn't, I wouldn't have said that when I started. I don't think anybody says, you know, I want to go get a doctor to understand myself. Typically you want to do that to understand something else. But what I found in that was I was really, I needed to know who I was. And so I'm an Enneagram type three primary. 
So as a three, right, I'm, I'm completely clueless to myself. Like, I don't know how I feel. I don't know what I want because I live my whole life to be successful. And, you know, for everybody listening, um, and I don't know what the age of your listeners are. I mean, you get to a point in your life where just trying to be whatever your version of successful is doesn't work. And you really have to look at yourself and say, okay, who am I? What has God called me to do? And, and what do I want to spend the rest of my life uh, being and doing? And so I was in my mid thirties. Um, I think externally people would have said he's successful, you know, um, one in 10 churches survive plants, church plants. You guys are a part of a church plant. So, sorry, I don't know if they told you that before you started, but nine, 90% fail. Uh, in California, it's probably more like 99% of church plants fail. Yeah. And so I would have said, you know, I'm a successful Sandals church would have been considered not by Texas standards, but by California standards, very large church, very successful, but I was miserable. I was miserable in my relationship with my staff, with myself. I was, I was completely, I just started to fall apart in my mid thirties. Uh, I had my first panic attack, um, started to just really deal with stress and, and, and was totally clueless to, to myself. And, you know, as a, an Enneagram expert, you understand, I didn't know that that was normal for somebody like me. Uh, but often as a three, I'm the last person to discover how I feel um, because I'm so busy running that I don't have time to take stock and, by the grace of God, I didn't throw my life away. I didn't have some major affair. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't blow up my life, which is what I think a lot of people do um, because what they assume, I think, in our culture is what needs to change is everything around me rather than, and again, why I'm such a passionate Christian, because Jesus says what has to change is what's within me. And I think that's really, I think that's the gift of Christianity to the world. And I think that the Enneagram is a tool to share that with people you know, the invitation of Jesus is, is to self-discovery. And so, um, you know, he's not just, I say this, he's not just calling you to himself. He's calling you to your true self. And I didn't know that. And um, there were just so many things that I had to learn. And and a big, big thing for me, a big aha moment was for me. And that's what, you know, you read my opening chapter of my book. It was a shock to me to discover that I was a part of the mission of God. I thought I was called to go on mission for God, I didn't realize that I was God's mission. And I, I just, I, I completely missed that. Um, and theologically, if you would have said, well, God loves you, I would have said, of course. Yeah, I would have nodded my head, absolutely. And we could have played tennis with some Bible verses, you know, And but I didn't really believe that. And Christianity wasn't personal to me in the way that it needed to be. And I just really had to come to grips with God's love. And, you know, the core sin of the three is which I think should make everybody uncomfortable who goes to my church, <laughs> but just really saying, okay, I, I've been deceptive to myself, others, and God. I just started to unravel. You know, the Lord is close to all who call upon him in truth. Jesus says, the truth will set you free. Paul says, speak truth to one another in love, you know, and I'm like, whoa, and I need to start doing this. But I was so afraid that people would reject me. People wouldn't love me. People wouldn't care for me. And I'm not talking about rejecting doctrinal purity or, or orthodoxy. I'm talking about actually living it out and talking about my own sins, my own struggles, my own journey. And so the Enneagram gave me permission and um, language to be real. And mm. so I'm a high three. My wife's a high six. So you can imagine, you know, conversations are very hard for us because she's afraid of what I didn't say. I'm afraid to actually speak the truth. And so it makes it makes intimacy a real challenge. Because one is worst case scenario and one is trying to polish a turd. You know, that's <laughs> that's that's just yeah. kind of where we, we we come at things. And so, 
you know, so many Christians are so afraid of the Enneagram, you know, like, I don't know about you, but so many of my oh, questions, yeah. are, this oh, is like, a strategy, yeah. you know, this is, this is that. And I, I think the church, I think there has to be an awakening of, you know, Jesus Christ saves your soul, but the work of redeeming and changing your life just begins at salvation. It doesn't end. And so many Christians get saved, but they never grow. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is because if we're not careful, we become just like the Pharisees who murdered Jesus. And we say, I'm not doing all these things. And we create this picture of self-righteousness that never allows God into the darkness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think the Enneagram will help you say, here's my darkness. So I had a guy, one of the guys that's helping me uh, promote my book was interesting. He came up to me in tears and he said, I just read this paragraph to my wife. They've been married 20 years. He read this paragraph to his wife in my book and he said, this is me. And this is what I'm so afraid to tell you. So in the, in the context of the most loving, intimate relationship, you have a husband who's scared to death to say to his wife who, right, there should be intimacy and freedom and truth in marriage. And yet a lot of us end up just living with a stranger because we don't know how to talk. We don't know how to relate. We don't know how to connect. And it, it's just, it's just so unfortunate. And I think so much of the, I've been hurt by the church. What, it, what we really need to say is the church is just really not good with people. <laughs> we're not good, like we're not good. We don't know how to relate. And, and we're, we're, I wish that we had the same passion for relational uh, orthodoxy as we do with the, theological orthodoxy. So we want to be biblically accurate, but we're not, we're not living in relational health with each other. Mm-hmm. Enneagram is the best thing I've seen to say, how, how do we walk forward in this? Like I have an eight in my small group and I know a lot of people are afraid of eights. I love eights because they don't care. They just, they just tell me what they see. And I need that. I need the unvarnished, ugly, insulting truth in my life. And especially as a leader, you know, Sandals is a very large church now. We have 12 campuses in Southern California, which I know for Texas isn't unusual. For California, it's, it's extraordinarily unusual. That's a lot. So, yeah. Still. Yeah. For us. So yeah. We're, in, we're in Orange County. We're in Riverside County. We're in LA County. Um, and now we're in Fresno County. So um, we're a very large church. And so the, the higher I get in my career, the fewer people speak truth into my life. Mm, right? yeah. Everybody calls me boss now. So many of my friends, uh, some of my family members, they all work for me. Well, that's a really scary place to be. So I need that eight that speaks truth into me. But my friend who's an eight, when I push back on him, he will say this because of the Enneagram. He will say, I don't see it. I don't agree with it, but I know I'm blind to myself. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to pray into this. That, that would never happen without the Enneagram because the Enneagram teaches the eight that they're, they're clueless to, to many things in life. And, um, and they don't see it. They genuinely don't see it. Um, and then we have, you know, all these unhealthy ones, right? You know, you're a heretic. This is the, you know, they're going to save me from the Enneagram, just like the Apostle Paul was going to save us all from Jesus, right? That's what he was going to do. I mean, he was he was going to stamp out, you know, it cracks me up. Christians are like, oh, it's, it's, it's from the occult. That's what Paul thought about us wow, when he was yeah. salt. Okay, we're the cult of the people of the way, and he's stamping us out. Uh, he has papers that says we follow the cult leader Jesus. So we just have to be be so careful that you know we don't understand that. And again, I, you know, ones tend to govern the church because they're good people. They they serve, they give, but they struggle with anger. And man, I've experienced that in church. And so mm-hmm. we we need to be aware of our style, and we need to be aware of of where we stumble. And here's the thing: I, I don't know if you guys grew up in church. 
but the preacher would preach against sin but he never talked about you know like the sin of pride you know we'd hit lust but i didn't hear about anger i never heard about fear um i didn't hear a lot about laziness you know i didn't hear yeah. you know greed in the way the enneagram understands greed keeping from myself and i i just think it, it helps people go oh i am a sinner and i need to be saved so good so good one of the things that you talked about that it's something that I'm very, very passionate about. And you uh, touched on it in the intro to your book, but you said Jesus is the surgeon and the Enneagram is just a tool. When you have uh, surgery, you don't think the knife, you think the surgeon. And I loved how that was put because I, I, I've talked a lot about on our podcast that people need like surgery. They need someone like like a therapist goes in deep and they, right. they get in the blood and the guts and they get their hands dirty. And in church where we're giving people tools that they need in order to do surgery and, 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 and we're handing things to people, but they need people to help walk them through that and to be discipled through. It's almost like, so, like I, you said it yourself. So many people, uh, they come to know the Lord, they come to church, they become a part of something, and then they don't know how to get the healing they really need in order to be healthy and whole, uh, to live life the way God has created them to fully live it. And on top of that, so much of church culture has said, you don't matter. It's not about right. you. And yeah. and that is true, but it's a half truth. And, so, well, and that's, why asked, that's why I asked Rick Warren to write for my book, because I mean, he, his book is the number one selling Christian book other than the Bible of all time. And his opening sentence is, it's not about you. And I, like you said, I agree with that. It's all about God. But now my question is, what's God all about? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I, I, think, I think for a lot of Christians, we, we've made God about self-glorification. It's this really weird thing where he's all about himself. And, and I don't see that in the person of Jesus. I don't see that personified in him at all. Jesus is extending grace to us because he loves us and he cares for us and, and he wants relationship with us. And I and, and that's what I, I, I see us as the mission of God. And um, I don't know. I think a lot of us as Christians have just completely checked out on that. Yeah. I want to I want to know your thoughts about um what you see happening in the church at large, like um, in terms of as someone who is not only a, a pastor, you're a pastor of a mega church, but uh, you also are a three. And I want to know what, what that journey has been like for you to fight for health. And your church is all about being real and authentic. Um, and it seems like you've utilized the Enneagram's a tool to do that. So I want to know more about um, how how do you use that within your church? How do you uh, do you use that within the church? And what what does that look like, or what does that relationship look like? Yeah, I, I think that. Um, let me just start with this: that w- when I started, when I when I when I felt a call to ministry, I had a genuine and real encounter with Jesus, where He ran me over, <laughs> and I knew that I was a I was a mess and. That was real for me. A lot of pastors that I've met, they believe in Jesus. But when I when I when it comes down to the brass tacks of talk to me about your encounter where you you ran smack into the face of I'm a sinner, and then what did that look like? And for me, pride was a big part of it. Um, you know, a big part of my testimony early on when I was a young pastor, like what you guys, you know, you're a part of a church plant. I mean, sandals is blowing and growing. 
this is a true story. I can't remember if it's in the book or not, but I, I tell it all the time. But my wife and I got in this huge fight and um, she actually locked herself in the bathroom. I was on the outside of the bathroom, um, you know, which is if somebody told me that I was like, dude, you're a jerk. Why is your wife hiding in the bathroom? But, but again, I was completely like clueless to that. So my third highest score is an eight. So my, my three, seven, eight are all within five points of each other. <laughs> so I'm a mess, right? Um, you know, driven, powerful, you know, uh, and want to have fun. So, I mean, it's just it, a disaster waiting to happen. And I, I remember I yelled through the door and I said, why is it that the whole world thinks I'm amazing? and you don't. And there was this whimpering voice from the other side of the door. And my wife said, and it was the Holy Spirit. She said, no one knows you like I do. Yeah. And I, I'm telling you, it was like a heavyweight fighter just hit me right on the chin. And for the first time in my life, I realized I am not who I am on stage. I am who I am right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I, and that, and, and I mean, I mean, I was just so you know, I didn't, I didn't put all the pieces together right then. Right. Because uh, truth is messy. Um, and I, I tell people, Jesus said, the truth will set you free after it knocks you on the floor. And I realized that if the person that I love the most can't stand me, that's a problem. Hmm. And, and I went down this journey of, okay, I need to change. And that ultimately led to the Enneagram and, and just for everyone listening, I cannot tell you how truly blind I was to myself. Hmm. I, you know, you say pride and, and yeah, I mean, that was part of it, but part of it was just blindness. You know, I was yeah. just, you know, it's what Jesus says. If a blind leader is leading someone who's blind, they both fall into a ditch. And I think that's a lot of our pastors are. Um, yeah. You got some talent. Hey, you're a good talker. You're kind of funny. You're witty. You can put together a Ted talk. Wow. Mega church. Okay. But you're a piece of crap as a person. And man, that, that was me. But again, so, so I, I really value the truth. And again, you know, in the nineties, my vision was to be real with myself, others, and God. I don't even know that I knew what that meant. Here's what I think it means now to me as a three. That's the only kind of church I could have survived in. Mm. I, any church that's vision is not to be real with themselves, others, and God, Matt Brown would not make it. Mm. I'm not going to survive. I'm going to play the game. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to lie through my teeth and end up going to hell. (laughs) I mean, that's just, I need, I can't play the games. I need, I need to be, I need to be in the real church that's, that's dealing with real issues. And, um, you know, as, as a person who struggles with shame, Genesis three is one of my, uh, seminal texts. I go to it all the time. What's the first thing they do? They cover themselves from themselves, each other and God. And that's what I do. And how do I constantly practice removing the covering so that I can be real? Because my tendency is to be fake. That's just who it is. I mean, for whatever reason, when I was growing up, you know, I, I, I thought I had to perform to get you to like me. Mm-hmm. And that works for a period of time. And then it doesn't. You know, that's why I think a lot of people have shallow relationships because it's easy to fool people for a little bit. It's hard to live in lifelong community uh, and work through the hard things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as my seven, right, I want to run from that and just run to the party and, and, and run away from the pain. So unfortunately i would say this the longer i've been in ministry the more unusual i found myself to be like i spoke at this um huge christian gathering i don't know how many thousands of people were present and it was a a christian musician you guys would know his name i won't say his name but he was you know he he led worship and he watched me interact and we spent you know in, in the green room we spent considerable time together and here's what he said to me with shock on his face he said 
you're the same person everywhere you go. Huh. Why wouldn't everybody be that way? So he's traveling. He's traveling around to churches. He's speaking at venues. He's in the Christian bubble. And he thinks I'm weird because I'm the same person. I said, well, who, who else would I be? Um, and and uh, and I think that's kept me from going crazy. Yeah. Because if I'm constantly performing right, I'm going I'm to fall apart. Yeah. So. Oh, man, that's so good. So much wisdom in what you just said. And um, just thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably. Really, really value that. Really appreciate it. That's the only way to roll. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's shift gears and talk a little bit more about your book. So uh, what inspired writing the book what what you know after years of knowing the enneagram and growing through it and pastoring and going on your own healing journey with the lord and 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 what the lord's done in your life and in your family uh what what was the encounter with god that was like it's time to write a book yeah um you know ultimately it was my agent um (laughs) quit being an agent and he was calling me and I wasn't answering. I had done the book thing, and I just I just felt like that ship had sailed. You know, I mean, I think that for a three, the healthiest thing you can do is embrace your life as it is. I think a lot of us chase what isn't. And I just said, you know what? God doesn't want me to write a book. It's not going to happen. And so my agent kept calling me and calling me, and finally he left a message, and he said, um, I'm not an agent anymore. I know you're ducking me. Call me back. And he turned out to be the president of HarperCollins. And he said, you got to write this book. I'm sorry it didn't work out. Let's figure it out. And I talked to my wife and my, my wife actually went and met with um, the guys at Word Publishing, the president of HarperCollins. We met for, for breakfast together. And she said, you've got to write this book because it changed our life and it can change other lives. And so that was that was it. I think for me as a three, the motivation couldn't be notoriety and fame. It had to be life change. Yeah. And that's something I have to guard against. And so my, my prayer for this book is that it will it will change people's lives and ultimately, as people read through the book and they come to the last chapter, uh, the last chapter is what number am I? Um, that you're not a number. You're created in the image of God. And Jesus is standing at the well. I call it the poop pond, um, you know, in in, uh, in Jerusalem. And he's saying, do you want to get well? Hmm. And the guy says, yeah, but nobody will help me in. And, and he doesn't answer the question. And, and I, I just hope that it will lead people to Jesus. And I think people will fall in love with Jesus as soon as they can get around the brokenness of the preachers who proclaim him. And, and that's just the bottom line, because every pastor that you see, man or woman, you know, whatever their theology is, they're broken. They're desperately broken. And, and how do we get out of the way so that people can see Jesus? I tell people all the time, the gospel's controversial enough. I don't need to make it worse. So that's why I wrote it. Um, and just so you know, it was really easy this time. It's amazing. It's amazing when it's God's timing. Yeah, it's amazing when you're not striving, when you're not pushing, when you're not trying to make something happen or be someone that you're not, but you're able to just surrender to the Lord and let Him Him do what He's created you to do. And mm-hmm. and so, um, so what in in writing a Enneagram book from a biblical perspective, how would you say that you approach the Enneagram differently than what's already out there? Yeah, I mean, I I have not seen anything like mine where I'm actually unpacking biblical characters and I'm walking you through their brokenness and their beauty and then flipping it on you and saying, okay, where are you with yourself, God and others? And it's, again, it's, it's I'm a Bible teacher. That's who God's made me to be. Um, I think people will learn things about the Bible that they never knew, that they never saw. 
I think it I think it will grow people biblically, but it will also grow them relationally with themselves and others. And so th- that's kind of the the hope that I have. Th- there's a ton, you know, there's a ton of books out on the Enneagram. It seems like one a week. And I, I mean, that's part of what I wrestled with. You know, did I miss the the wave, so to speak? Did you miss the boat. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, and, and maybe I did, but you know, I'm not responsible for the results. I'm sponsor, responsible for obedience. So I wrote it and if God wants to do something great with it, I, you know, I, I look forward to that, but I love seeing the, the thing that's addicting to me is life change. And that's the vision of authenticity. Jesus says the truth will set you free. And, and I've seen that. And in the Enneagram, like I said, it's the best tool to help people be set mm-hmm. free by the truth. And again, it's, it's a great tool to connect with people who aren't Christians. It's a great conversation or opener, icebreaker, mm-hmm. yep. uh, way to talk about really your need, your need for redemption of what's really wrong in your life. Because we can't, we can't work our way out of it. But the, what Christians need to know is you got to work. You know, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. You know, like, what are you doing, man? And, and we're just like, I'm good. So how do you feel about people that, well, okay, first off, the whole missing the boat thing, like, I, you know, I really believe nobody in your position is speaking on the Enneagram or speaking to, hey, not only is this valuable, but it's valuable we can use this in partnership with scripture as we grow and and nobody is doing that. So there, there's, there isn't a, a Christian Enneagram book out there that is anything like what you've written. Um, and I think it's, it's so important and it's, it's so needed for um, yeah, just a church leader to speak vulnerably and with humility on something that is actually benefiting the lives of believers. And, and so, and, and something that, I think everybody is kind of craving. Like, I think there's a reason that in this season of history, the Enneagram is having its a time and place. And it's because it's promoting self-awareness, compassion, people learning about one another in a way that helps them understand and work together instead of um, label and box people in. And on that, I want to know your thoughts on, you know, one of the biggest objections we hear all the time is, oh, well, the Enneagram boxes people in, it's it's stereotypes people. How, how would you respond to people that are like, oh, this is, this is just labeling people and labels make things worse. Jesus came to remove labels. How do you respond to that? Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I don't agree that he came to, 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 uh, um, remove labels. I think that he, he uses them specifically. Um, you know, I, I have a, I have a really interesting sermon on racism where, um, Jesus refers to a, uh, Greek woman as a dog. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that. And, you know, she says, you know, that's the famous, well, even the dogs get scraps from the table. And so he does this miracle, but nobody realizes that he's slamming her culture because Greek culture was horrifically sinful. Um, you know, um, you know, people say Jesus doesn't see color. Of course he did. He created it. He's the author of color. He's the author of gender. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so what I would say is God is the author of personality. So, so he, so he created an infinite number of labels. The Enneagram is a tool to begin to discover not my number, but my soul. Mm -hmm. And so, I think this is how I would look at the Enneagram. The Enneagram is like my address of my home. It's a set of numbers that describe where I live, but it's not my home. But it's a starting place to find my home. And so that's what I would say the Enneagram is. is I'm going to start at a three, but I've already told you I'm high eight and I'm high seven. 
uh, I have zero, I have zero to zero nine. Like there's no peacemaker in me at all, which I wish there was, man. But that's who I am. And I, I've learned my tendencies and it's why I think I've survived. It's why my marriage is healthy. It's why I have a great relationship with my kids. Um, you know, my son is high five. I have zero five. So like when I, when I engage with him, you know, like you can imagine as a parent, a dad and a son, like sometimes things are heated. Fives don't act out. They act in. I've never acted in a day in my life. Every thought I have flies out of my mouth before I can process it. So there's this chasm between me and my son, my only son that I love more than any other boy on earth. And we struggle connecting. And the Enneagram has said, okay, here's how I reach his heart. His silence is not disapproval. He's, he, he just, he's just trying to process this while I'm a spaz all over the place coming at him because I'm really good with words. And I can cut him up into little pieces with my words before he gets a word out. And that's not right mm-hmm. because he's him, he's Ethan, but, but the five helps me understand him yeah, so that I can communicate with him and keep conversations really brief and unemotional and watch my tone and my, you know, my, um, my, my boisterousness. I'll tell you guys a funny story. So in the first edit of the book, I had this great sentence that I talk about why I'm loud. And I said, because I'm Italian. Well, my wife bought me 23 and me for uh, Christmas. I'm 0% Italian. Zero. <laughs> like, none. I'm 67% Irish. Like, so this thing I thought about me my whole life that I've been told my entire life, completely false. And I think that that's what the Enneagram helps about people. It's a number to help you peel away the false things that you believe about yourselves. You know, eights can run around. I'm good with people. No, you're not. Nobody says that. You know, you run over people. Um, mm. So, um, you know, when I manage nines, they always feel like they're working hard and sprinting. And I'm like, you're, you're not sprinting. That's not, that's not what's happening, you know. And, and I've learned how to have them be declarative and speak up and make sure I hear from them. And so I would just say you're not a number. You're absolutely not a number. You're creating the image of God. But this number is going to be an address to help you discover your true self. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is your real life is hidden with Christ in God. That's New Living Translation. That may freak out some of your listeners, but I think it's it's a it's a great translation of what the gospel is. Your real life, your true life is hidden with Christ in God. Hidden from whom? Me. It's not hidden from God. So I've got to find that and unravel that. And so many of my sins and my worries and in the Enneagram talks about how do I perceive life? How do I how do I process my life and then how do I present myself and um, I mean I think that's our culture you know um, our culture has very few labels right black white male female gay straight uh, religious atheist you know and so the Enneagram I think the beauty of it it says how do I see this person as an individual and begin to understand them outside of the, maybe the stereotypes that I've created in my own mind yeah uh, and um, and again I, I'm not a guy that says I'm a three I'm a seven I'm, I'm like I, I look at the Enneagram like watercolor. That's the way that I look at it. And so if you look at my uh, my styles, the colors kind of bleed on each other, but there's a lot of three, a lot of seven, and a lot of eight, you know, and, and I'm missing a little five and nine, you know, it's just yep. not there. Yeah, no, that's that's so good. I love that so much. I We've talked about uh, very similarly that, um, yeah, I, I think there's maybe two types that I don't relate to at all. <laughs> and between your paths, your wings, your subtypes, you can easily be or, or tri-types or wh- however you want to cut that up. I mean, there's 
you can easily be connected to seven different types and people are so multifaceted and everybody is completely unique. And one of my favorite things to do is I have a spreadsheet of like 300 people with all their personality information. I love to look at all the type sevens that are and what their Myers-Briggs types are and their strengths. And, and everybody is so unique. There's no two people alike. And the more that you study personality, the more that you see that. Um, and, and just the incredible originality of God that, we are all completely unique. We all reveal an aspect of his image uniquely, but then we can still relate to one another and feel seen and understood and be able to communicate about the similarities between and, us. And I think it's a great place to start. Um, so years ago, Tammy and I, we did counseling. We did a three-day intensive Enneagram uh, counseling session where we paid these guys a ridiculous amount of money to help us as we relate to each other. And the whole time, you know, we spent the first day on Tammy, but the whole time, both of these male uh, counselors kept saying, how are you, Matt? How are you? How are you? And I was getting irritated because I'm like, let's focus on Tammy, you know? Um, and, and, and because they know I'm a three, they know I'm disconnected from how I'm feeling. And I'll never forget it. We went to lunch at the end of that first day and I ordered a salad, didn't eat, a, didn't eat one piece and just started sobbing. But it was because those guys knew I was a three that they kept having to ask, how are you feeling? Because I'm completely unaware of how I'm feeling as a three. I'm going to shove and bury my emotions and my true feelings, either because I'm, you know, shame, I'm, a, I'm ashamed of it, or, I, I, or I'm unaware. And, and I praise God for those guys. But if it wasn't for the Enneagram, they wouldn't have. And I asked them afterwards, I was like, why did you keep asking me that? They're like, you're a three, you're clueless to yourself. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know, um, and my wife asked me when we we're eating lunch, she's like, are you okay? And I was like, no. And this is what I would tell people. I, I think in our society, it, we, we say it's okay to be not okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Mm-hmm. Why would you stay that way? Why would you stay broken and stay a mess and stay a disaster? You know, Jesus Christ didn't just die to save your soul. He, he died to change your life. Yeah. So, so let's do that. Um, and uh, in the Enneagram has helped me do that. It's just, it's, it's been a beautiful thing. And I realize, you know, not everybody's for it. It, it worked for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we, when we started this podcast, our first two episodes are, can, can Christians trust the Enneagram? And we dive into the history, we dive into what are the objections to it? And what is our heart in embarking on creating a Christian podcast about the Enneagram? And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we, we want to respect that other people have convictions that are different than ours. No two people on the face of the planet agree on everything. And it takes a really arrogant person to be like, well, I know that I'm right about everything. I can't know that I'm right, but I can speak to how it's impacted my life. Amen. So, uh, man, that's just so awesome. This has been such an incredible uh, conversation. And I we want, definitely want to respect your time. I know you've got a, an appointment to get to. But did you... Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to say? Anything else uh, about the uh, book or when, when is your book coming out? And October 5th of this year. So just in a couple of weeks. Um, and I just would encourage your listeners to, I mean, you've read my book. I think it's, um, it's kind of Enneagram for dummies. You know, it's, it's, it's real simple. You know, I'm not a professor. That's not who I am. I speak to the common man and woman. That's my call. Um, and I just would say, you know, if there's somebody in your life that you really love, this might be a book that you would consider, uh, giving to them. And, and I think it will bless people. And, um, you know, I have, uh, somebody in my life I love, he's, he's a transgender guy 
atheist in Hollywood, and he's I'm sending him a copy of this book because I want God to know. I want him to to know something more about himself than his his gender struggle. Uh, there's mm. something deeper to him than 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 the way that he sees himself sexually, um, and so. I'm, I'm going to send it to him because I, when I wrote this thing, and you'll see every chapter when you read, I run straight to the gospel. Like, I mean, so anybody that is opposed to this, I think, will be ultimately opposed to sharing the gospel with people that are far from God. That's who I have in my mindset, and that's my heart. Um, and and trying to encourage Christians to not be afraid of it. Um, you know, yeah. so. Love that. I love that. So good. Thank for both of you. I'm just really blessed to have met you. And thanks for having me on the show. Oh, man. Thank you. This has been so valuable. And uh, I'm so excited about your book. It really is uh, so valuable and um, so, so well done. Yeah. Thank you. Bless you guys. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to Originality Podcast and our awesome interview with Pastor Matthew Stephen Brown. We're so grateful for the opportunity that we had to speak with him. If you enjoyed listening to the podcast today, if you learned something new, if this ministered to you in some way, please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, and follow us at Originality Podcast and at Just Loves Personality, my personal Instagram. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I would like to close out our time together with a quote from C.S. Lewis. No man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, you'll become original without ever having noticed it. Until next time.